It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. What is going on? Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for listening. I do appreciate it. Uh, you can subscribe, by the way, at thepetecalendarshow.com or on any of your favorite podcasting platforms. Do people have more than one favorite podcasting platform? I'm not sure. Um, want to give a, th- a shout out thanks to patrons who help make the show possible, like Lisa, Jolene, and WC, Caddy, David, Mark, Lair, Krista, Sam, Dustin, and Deborah. Thank you very much for all of the support. I could not do it without patrons such as yourselves. They became patrons by going uh, to the Patreon page. There's a link there at thepetecalendarshow.com as well. You get exclusive content. Uh, you know, I put out audio clips during the week. I also do a live stream for Uh, patrons every Thursday. So uh, come on in. The water's fine. So the North Carolina General Assembly is going to be considering a bill that seeks to protect women's sports by preventing boys and girls from being allowed to compete on female teams in middle school, high school and college. That's right. The transgender debate is coming back. Probably. Uh, This is a piece by Andrew Dunn at the Carolina Journal, and I'm also going to talk with two people who spoke at the press conference that was held in Raleigh yesterday uh, that was um, where they unveiled this bill and made the announcement with the North Carolina Values Coalition. First, does your spring cleaning schedule include tossing out the old mattress? And you know it's time to toss it out if there are like big you know, craters in the mattress and you get on the bed and you like roll into the ditch (laughs) that's on your side. Uh, Or maybe like, here's another way you can tell the edge of the bed, you know, where you get in and get out or you sit down to tie your shoes every day. Is that all deformed now from where you've been sitting or, you know, getting in, getting uh, getting into bed and getting out of bed? Then you need a new mattress. Okay. Basically, people know that they need a new mattress, but we, we live in like this state of denial for years and years. We'll sleep on a terrible mattress. And then when you get on the new mattress, you're like, I should have done this a long time ago. So don't let that be you. Okay. Uh, go to Mattress Man. And if you go to Mattress Man, you can, uh, they'll give you sheets. I'm not kidding. They'll give you a free bedding set with the purchase of your new mattress, which is really helpful if you're changing the size of the mattress. When Christy and I went from our queen size to a king size mattress about a decade ago, uh, yeah, we didn't even think about the sheets <laughs> at first. So uh, they got you covered, literally. Or if you don't want the sheets, maybe you're not changing size, you don't need the bedding, then uh, score a free weighted blanket. Have you seen these things? Christy got one for Christmas, uh, and she loves it. It's a it, it's a heavy blanket, literally. It's like twenty pounds, and uh, it it's designed to relieve anxiety. It's like to simulate a hug. So you just wa- she just walks around all the time wearing. The- no, I'm just kidding. She doesn't, but it, she loves the blanket. At Mattress Man, you can get one of these for free. Uh, with the purchase of select mattresses, head on into any of their four stores in uh, Arden, Hendersonville, and Asheville. They ship nationwide. Uh, they have five-star local delivery service. They have a 120-day comfort guarantee. They've got tons of flexible financing options. Okay, so if you're getting a tax refund, for example, you can get a bed and not even pay for it until your tax return comes in. Um They've got tons of tons of options available, so even if you don't have the best credit, go and uh, talk with them. They want to work with you to get you a good bet. Experience the difference at Mattress Man. Buy local and sleep better. 
Joining me now is Beth Stelzer. She is the founder of Save Women's Sports. SaveWomenSports.com is the website. And uh, welcome to the show. Appreciate you making time for me. And welcome to North Carolina, I should say, as well. Um, so how did uh, how did the big announcement go in Raleigh? Thank you so much for having me. It is a pleasure to be here in North Carolina to introduce the 30th state to introduce legislation to protect women with HB 358 today. So uh, you've been involved in this, and we're going to get into a little bit of the background of Save Women's Sports and the organization and what you guys are doing. But um, how does this bill compare with other states' efforts is it i don't know I, I don't know what the right word would be is it tougher is it more strict is it more lenient how does this compare i think all the bills across the state are, are very similar although their wordings might be different we're protecting girls on the basis of sex all right and so the uh organization talk a little bit about uh your background and how you founded this save women sports organization So I consider myself an an average American gal. I'm a housewife, I'm a mom, and I happened to find this passion for powerlifting and decided to carve out the time, which was a couple hours a day, five, seven days a week for over a year, to get the strength and courage to enter into the Women's State Powerlifting Championships. And my chance to shine was tarnished because a male athlete disruptively protested the event because he wasn't allowed to compete as a woman. Did that person, were they allowed to compete eventually or no? In other federations, they're allowed to compete. I'm thankful that USA Powerlifting, which is a strict drug-tested federation, does not allow males to compete as females because it would be seen as the same competitive advantage as taking steroids, etc. Ah, and so that was the key. It was because uh, if it's a male-to-female transgender individual then they would be taking they've had the benefit of testosterone through their life right so and that would be no different and so in in the research that i've been doing on this now it seems like there are certain protocols that different organizations have been putting in place in order to say okay well if you're you know born a male and you transition to female you have to have been going through this process for a certain number of years prior to competing and so that's the the thought there is that the benefits of testosterone like kind of go away after a certain amount of time do you put any uh, yeah. faith in any of that um, to, to that i say that that our sex is not exactly determined by our hormones women are not a hormone level <laughs> and there's no way to mitigate the two differences to so to, to, to magically say that someone is a woman now just because they've lowered their testosterone level is absurd these ch- these differences should be celebrated so when you were uh, so powerlifting, this is uh, for folks who may not know what that is, right? This weightlifting, right? Like with the big dumbbells yeah. and you lift them over your head. and <laughs> With the barbell, the squat, the bench, and the deadlift. Okay. Um, did you practice on the kids? Did you use them as weight? No, I'm kidding. But um, I just, <laughs> it seems like, you know. I can deadlift my son. That's yeah. right. <laughs> so, um, so you started down this path. You started uh, the competition. And so this was, were you even aware before this competition that this was even a thing no i had no idea and i think that's a situation we are just socially across the board this is an issue of awareness because a lot of women like me have been blacklisted from the media and harassed and censored we're basically a silenced majority here so um the other day we spoke uh on a radio program and uh then i opened it up and i took phone calls and stuff uh from folks and there was uh, some folks were um 
we're kind of curious as to you know why this doesn't get the kind of attention and 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 why uh like for example feminists don't come out in support of you and these efforts they are they're being censored so how does that the feminists are here screaming (laughs) they're not being listened to like i said we're getting censored off of social media and social media is life nowadays so give me an example what has happened well girls are at risk of losing their scholarships sponsorships their jobs for Mm. example my friend is a world um, class cycling champion and she got third place to a male when she was told it wasn't fair when she spoke out and said it wasn't fair she was accosted in the media and also her sponsor told her if you don't be quiet we're not going to sponsor your team that's the sort of thing that is going on here i received death threats for trying to preserve women's sports so it sounds like cancel culture to put a name to it right that's what it sounds like they're trying to quote cancel people that speak out for women's only they're using their cancel culture as a scapegoat to hurt women for people who like you say feminists are screaming and they're being silenced but but why that route why is there the silencing occurring it would seem like uh, particularly in politics uh that is a pretty powerful voting block <laughs> so why why would you be why would you know people be like ignoring this whole uh group of people that ostensibly has some political pull there are a lot of societal pressures to conform with this ideology. So the bill gets introduced, um, and you've got sponsors. And I do have a copy now of the bill three fifty House three fifty House Bill three fifty eight. I should say, uh, sponsored by representatives Brody, McElraft, Wheatley, and Dixon. Uh, it is called the Save Women's Sports Act. This would apply for middle school, high school, and college athletics, right? Correct. So um, the North Carolina (laughs) legislature has a bit of a history here when it comes to transgender issues. You may have heard about the bathroom bill that was run a couple of years ago. Um, Is everybody kind of uh, eyes wide opened about what this is probably going to now create in this state? What with the economic boycotts and stuff like that's I expect that's probably going to be in store for us. I'm from Minnesota, so I'm not too clear on that issue. But um, we're talking about opportunities for females. Mm hmm not facilities right talking about facts not feelings (laughs) right so the so the house bill two this was uh gosh i don't know five six seven years ago whenever it was now and uh it, it it was about yeah it was about bathroom facilities but the backlash was uh it was immense right you had the ncaa canceling the basketball tournaments the uh the nba are we worried about a little backlash from a bill being introduced now or are we going to worry about when there are no more female sports when girls opportunities are totally taken away when a girls team is entirely now a males team they will not have the right to sue for, for sexual discrimination so yeah and so here's and I, I found this argument from uh i guess this is a doctor of some kind he's the professor of law at georgetown university uh co-director of the georgetown johns hopkins joint degree program in law and public health his name is dr greg bloch or blosh and anyway he says the lines we draw between the competitive edges that we accept and admire and those that we think are unfair these are the stuff of our culture not science 
wrestlers compete in weight classes. You know, so we would all object if you put, you know, a 120-pound person up against a 200-pound wrestler, right? But everybody's okay yeah. with like a six-foot-four basketball center going up a seven-footer, right? Going up against a seven-footer. Like, oh, well, he's just taller. Yeah. So I've seen this argument, this basketball player argument. Uh, how do you respond to that argument? Like, look, this is just, you know, people have different traits. They have different abilities. Right. There are normal variations within female athletes even. But when you take a female athlete and a male athlete with the same competitive advantages at the same weight age that male is going to outperform that female by at least 10 percent. if you took my sport of powerlifting dr christopher hunt the usa powerlifting medical director has shown that it is a 64 percent advantage and when half a pound can determine the winner that is huge so so you don't find this to be a particularly compelling argument that look the culture changes what we consider to be cheating and what we consider to be fair and so let's just let the culture decide no i'm here to protect what women before me have fought so hard for me to have and i am seeing eroding from underneath my feet yeah uh is there anything else that you would like to add on this that you think is important or interesting to note here before i let you go it's critical to note that this is a nonpartisan issue. It's common sense. It's a hands across the aisle moment. And we are all here standing together, putting our stake in the ground in North Carolina to help protect girls. Uh, you can get more information at SaveWomensSports.com, by the way. Beth Steltzer, I appreciate you uh, oh, spending appreciate some time the opportunity. with me. Thank you so much. No, thank you. All right. Up next, I'm going to talk with a woman named Charlie Ray. She was also at that press conference uh, yesterday. But first, I got to tell you about Rowena Patton, because uh, if you are trying to buy a home right now, you are probably about ready to rip your hair out because it can be super frustrating. Christy and I know this. We were going through the home buying process a couple months ago, and we were looking at houses. It actually started about a year ago. We were looking at houses and um there's they they move very very fast all right the houses are moving very very fast in the Asheville market so if you're trying to buy you need somebody that knows how to run with this market and that someone is Rowena Patton because she gets homes sold faster and for more money she always has she outsells 99% of the realtors in the entire state so she knows how to keep pace with the market what it's doing right now some agents just get overwhelmed she does not she and her team, the All-Star Powerhouse team, they are the official Homes for Heroes agents in Asheville as well. Uh, this is a national program that gives buyers and sellers 25% back from the realtor commissions. This is available to police officers, firefighters, healthcare professionals, educators, and members of the military, veterans, active duty, and retirees. She and her team have given back about $800,000 uh, so far to local folks in those five professions. So give her a call at 333 or go to her website, mountainhomehunt.com. That's 828-333-4483. Call Rowena Patton and then start packing. Joining me now is Charlie Ray. She is a writer, independent journalist in North Carolina. And uh, welcome to the show, Charlie. Thanks for chatting with me. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Sure. So you were at this uh, news conference. Um, and so I guess you want to tell people why were you at the news conference? What were What, what were you adding to the story? Sure. So my story is that like I'm I'm more local. I'm from Raleigh. Um, I'm also a writer and a former athlete. And I also grew up with gender dysphoria. So there's just a lot of things that 
contribute to why I would come here today, um, specifically really because I was an athlete when I was a child and sports were so important to me in my growth in my life. So yeah, I'm here in, on a personal mission to protect um, the sanctity of girls sports going into the future. So, yes, you've given me a lot of different paths <laughs> to start down uh, yeah. in this discussion. Uh, sure. So first off, how did you get hooked up with Save Women's Sports? Let me just start there. Yeah, so we just met through a mutual friend that I worked with, um, Women Picket DC, where we picketed um, President Biden's Executive Order 13988 about gender identity. So um, through those connections, I sort of got connected with Beth Seltzer. Um, and we ended up coming here to the legislature to speak to representatives. Okay, so this was this was a, a, a movement and effort that you were in before you hooked up with Save Women's Sports. So how did you get involved in this, uh, in the movement, in this effort? In general, yeah. So yeah. it was years ago. I've been writing about this for about five years. It was when Bruce Jenner had come out publicly as trans. Um, and that's when I started really di- diving in and doing the research. And I, I don't think a lot of people do a lot of research on this. So that's when it kind of occurred to me that none of this made sense and what threat it posed to women's rights. Um, And also at that time, when I started reviewing it, I realized that I had experienced gender dysphoria when I was a child, except they didn't call it gender dysphoria then, they called it being a tomboy. So I just realized retroactively, like I had this experience, I thought I was born in the wrong body, I was socially confused. Um, So it just, I kind of have an important place in this talk, having desisted. And having grown up as a biological female and understanding the threat that it poses to women's rights. So I've heard this argument uh, made against like your the, so the experience that you just described that, you know, being a tomboy. And I and right. uh, I hear uh, people in the LGBTQ community say, well, that's not the same thing as what we have. Right. That's a different thing. Sure. So, yeah. Uh, have you heard this this uh, this argument as well? And how would you respond? I heard- I have, and it's completely puzzling to me because all of the symptoms of gender dysphoria that are listed in the DSM-5, that's what I had when I was a child. That was the social confusion that I had and the physical confusion. So um, it's, again, it's just, it wasn't called that back then. The The term transgender identity didn't, uh, didn't exist back then in common society. So um, I would say like, if you, if you actually looked at the social situation and the experience itself, that was the experience that I had. It's just that the the whole understanding of the language has changed. So how long ago was that? If you don't mind me asking, I apologize sure. as I asked. No, you. of course. I realized I'm asking you basically your age and you should never do that. But uh, so I'm <laughs> kind of curious. I'm 47. And so like I, 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 I have had to kind of uh, get onto the steep learning curve as well. Mine came sure. sort of after the HB2 mm-hmm. uh, issue uh, sprang up. And yes, I became more aware of it with, yeah, like you said, Bruce Jenner as well. So I've done a a lot, had to do a lot of research on it because of the fight over the bathroom ordinance. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, so I have my earliest memories up until through middle school was when I experienced gender dysphoria. And then throughout and after puberty is when I desisted. They call it desisting. And according to the literature, um, about you know 80 to 90% of children who end up naturally going through puberty end up identifying themselves as their natural sex. And mm-hmm. so that's what happened to me. It's just the same thing that happens to most children. Yeah. And so I, I, I am curious then one of the side effects or I, I don't know the side effects an unintended consequence maybe of this type of legislation. And I don't know, maybe you're, you can speak to this because sure. it's, it, it is admittedly speculative, but sure. if the idea here is that um, we're going to force kids to, 
uh, it, it, well, you guys don't want any of this, I guess, as I'm asking this question, I'm realizing it as I'm asking it, which is that you don't want any of, you know, any transgender male to female in women's sports. And so I guess this wouldn't apply, but right now it does apply in athletic organizations, the Olympics, for example, and it almost mm-hmm. seems like they're pushing kids to get the, the hormone therapies before puberty, because right. if they short circuit puberty, then they don't get the muscle development, for example, and then right. that would allow them to make a better case to compete, uh, you know, in women's sports. Does that yeah. does that make sense? Am I am I I don't know. Is this is this right. am I off base on that? No. Well, it's interesting too because I just want to point out that to even say that boys would have to change their hormone levels to compete as girls is to admit that they're not girls. It's to admit that. Um, in order to level the playing field, you would have to inject synthetic hormones. And the thing is, even then, um, any kind of synthetic hormone injection isn't going to ameliorate um, the underlying biological, physiological advantages that males have, such as their hearts pump blood faster. They have more hemoglobin, which means more oxygen can circulate through their body. They have stronger, denser muscles, or sorry, stronger, denser bones. So, to say that these interventions are going to level the playing field, first of all, is is just to admit that it's not fair for boys to play with girls and also to admit that boys um, don't have the same physiological structures as females. Um, and, it's, and it's also to intrude on female sports in general. So the most important thing to me about this entire discussion is to talk about the consequences, the, fr- the future consequences of this issue, which is that We could be in a situation where every sports team or every league or every position that's meant for a female could be filled by a biological male and there would be no legal repercussions. Legally, no discrimination would be taking place. And so like, not only are we allowing women's sports to be taken over, we're also taking away their power to claim that discrimination is happening against them. Um, Has this, I think, um, I think Beth said it's nonpartisan, but admittedly, I mean, it seems like there's one political party that seems to be more on board with your effort <laughs> than the other. Uh, sure. Do you have any insight as to why that is? Well, I think that um, a lot of the, the, the left, you know, liberals and Democrats, it really got wrapped up in the, into this idea of gay rights where um, the affirmation model of just assuming like if someone tells you you're get, they're gay, you should accept it. It's bigotry not to accept it. And it just got swept up in that understanding. And I think that's why liberals really have taken on to this so well. But I would also like to point out the irony that like when it comes to women's rights, it's generally understood within larger society that um, liberals are the ones fighting for human rights. So it's, right. there's also an irony there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. It, it's sort of like they it, it, like do they just threw a lot of like women's rights issues right under the bus. Right. Uh. <laughs> and I, they, I think they don't understand that. And that's why I think it's so important in plain English to just spell out the consequences that this eradicates women's legal ability to claim that discrimination is taking place. And I, I just I honestly don't think people have thought that through. I think people think this is human rights. We're going to help people accept people. Everything's good. And, I, you know, I agree with those sentiments as well. But we have to look at how this language changes policy. 
That's a, uh, it's a great point. You're the first that I've heard actually ever uh, make that connection. And it's a, right. I, I think it's a, it's a very good one. And I think it actually might have the most amount of sway because you're talking in the language of generally the left uh, right. about discrimination. So that might actually mm-hmm. uh, win hearts and minds. Uh, I'm not mm-hmm. sure. Um, I, I don't know, though. I mean, it, I don't know how long you've been in North Carolina, but I mentioned HB2 in the bathroom stuff like you know what's probably going to be coming, though, right? In response right. to this kind of legislation, it's going to start. You mean the economic backlash? Sure, the boycotts right. and all of that. I, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it, it's. I expect that to happen. Do you? Right. I I mean, I guess to a certain extent, I do. Like, there's just a big economic powerhouse behind this transgender movement of it being accepted. It's corporately accepted. Um, but the thing that I really want to keep stressing to people is. We need to look at the long term here. Like there might be some short term backlash about this because this is the fad that's happening right now. But what's going to happen in North Carolina if we push women out of participating in society? Yeah, Um, I I do. I remember looking at this back when um, when it first started with the HB2 stuff and, uh, you know, the, the rise of this issue. Uh, it, it does track pretty neatly to uh, to the Supreme Court ruling on gay marriage. It, it, there were, and if you think about it, just you strip away like the, the argument or the, the issue itself and just look at it from sort of a, uh, a political movement uh, kind of uh, perspective that once they won, once the uh, you know Bergefell decision came down, then that was it. And you had organizations that had, you know, fundraised. They, I mean, these were multi-million dollar operations that now didn't have <laughs> uh, a mission, right? right? They just, right. And, and so they just kind of had to shift very quickly. And right. I think that they were like, okay, well, we took care of the LGB part. Let's do the T. And it actually pitted a lot of people inside that that one group, you know, the L's and the G's against the T's and stuff. There were a lot of people that were that are at odds uh, inside that community over this. Um, So like when you mentioned that, you know, it's it's corporate accepted. That's so true. And I just I wonder uh, if it's already grown to be too powerful. So uh, Well, you know, it's. It's a fad. So it has grown to be extremely powerful, but fads break, you know, it's, it's literally just not the truth. And so the truth, you know, what do they say? Uh, lies sprint, whereas the truth, um, runs a marathon. Is that, is that the same? Yeah, Where, it's, uh, you know, the, the lie gets around the world. The lie makes right. it around the world before the truth right. even gets out of bed. Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, um, we're, we're also seeing a lag in the implementation of these policies because, for example, the medicalization, we're not going to see the outcomes of that for another 10 to 20 years. And then we'll probably see, you know, mass legal issues because people will be getting sick. Mm. And so, of course, there's money behind it to transit to transition. If you get through all the surgeries can be upwards of two hundred thousand dollars. I mean, the synthetic hormone industry is worth billions. Wow. So, of, of course, there's money in it. So do you find that people are more receptive to your story because of your personal experience with gender dysphoria? I've been told that just because we're we're told all the time by people who believe in this that you can't talk about this unless you experienced it. And so that's one of the reasons people have like pushed me to continue to speak on it is because apparently it holds more weight that I that I had gender dysphoria mm-hmm. when I but I don't believe it should. You know, these are logical things that we need to sit down and have logical arguments about it. So, you know, I don't even bring up the fact that I had dysphoria as a trump card. I I think that's almost negligible. I think we should look at policy and language 
and how things end up come like things end up emerging from policy because of the way that language is worded. Right. But you recognize the value of that experience in a debate, because even if you don't start out with that, um, you know, with that card on the table, if somebody does attack you as they, you know, as they have me over the years, as you must obviously be transphobic. That's what they would say. And even if you're like, and I always say this, and I guess I I can say it right now, which is, you know, I, I sympathize and I cannot fathom what it must be like to not believe that you are in the correct body i have no mm-hmm. idea what kind of mental pain and anguish that must be 24 7 right i i, I have right. no idea and so i'm i i wish peace for these people and the best for these people but i don't i i try very hard to understand it but i can't because how could i right it, it's mm-hmm. like if uh there are people who are you know they think that they should be blind and so they blind themselves right and right. i'm like i could not imagine my brain telling me, no, Pete, you got to blind yourself because those eyes aren't really yours, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So I, I can't identify with that. But I also would not tell people, hey, you should totally blind yourself if that's mm-hmm. what you think you should do. You know, I, right. I, I don't think that's a healthy path forward. And so when I get accused of that, I try to, that's why I try to give that disclaimer, but you have that card to play. <laughs> so sure. It but is the helpful. thing is like, you know, we're dealing with the dogmatic ideology, so it it doesn't matter to them to a certain degree. They just call me a self-hating trans man. <laughs> so, okay, you know, you see one. what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. you know, it matters, I guess, to some degree that I experience gender dysphoria, but we're dealing with a dogmatic ideology, which means they're just going to keep persisting. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter what, you know, so that's why it's so important to outline what is going to happen if these policies are in place. So that's interesting. So if you're not trans, then you hate trans. But if you were, then that means you're self-hating. So it's always hatred. It's just a different target. It's it's always (laughs) hatred. Exactly. That's interesting. Okay. You can't win. Yeah. Um, Well, hey, I appreciate you spending some time with me here and talking about this. Uh, Is there anything else you'd like to add that you think is important or interesting to note that we haven't already covered? I don't think so. I think that's it. And, you know, I had a great conversation with you. Thank you so much for having me. We're going to get into some of the details uh, on this legislation in a moment. First, I take CBD drops before I go to bed, okay? And I sleep more deeply than I ever have before. You've heard me say this, and it's true. I was the kind of person that throughout my entire life, when I wasn't you know, waking myself up from my own snoring, uh, it was uh, just mind racing and I couldn't fall back asleep. That was the kind of sleep that I would generally have. Uh, I started taking the CBD drops, and I don't have that anymore. So if you are interested in trying CBD, then you got to go to growershemp.com. Okay. You can also get their uh, product, by the way, uh, at the Broad River Hemp Company in Shelby. They're on the shelves at uh, the Medical Pharmacy in Locust and the Durham Co-op as well. Uh, But growershemp.com, if you go to the website, you can see their products and learn more about them. They are North Carolina farmers. Okay. And uh, they said, why don't we create sort of a co-op model for the, for, you know, ourselves, for our farmers and uh, this way, the product is all North Carolina, and you're helping to support family farms by using their product. And they control the whole process from seed to shelf, and that means better quality and lower price. And uh, they want to help you on your wellness journey. Okay, so th- they're they're invested in this state and in your outcomes. So uh, go check them out, GrowersHemp.com, and remember use the promo code Pete, and you'll get twenty percent off. Pete, P-E-T-E, my name, in case that wasn't clear. 
growershemp.com. As with all CBD products, here is the disclaimer. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The efficacy of these products has not been confirmed by FDA-approved research, and these products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Nothing I've said is meant as a substitute for or alternative to information from your healthcare provider. Please consult your healthcare professional about potential interactions or other possible complications before using any product. Growershemp.com, promo code Pete, Growers Hemp is about the hemp and not the hype. So the General Assembly now has this bill, House Bill 358. It's in committee now, I believe, and uh, it would require public schools that field sports teams to identify teams as either male, female, or co-ed. And the same would go for UNC system universities and private colleges competing in intercollegiate athletics. And then teams designated for women and girls would not be allowed to permit male students to compete on them as defined by their sex from birth. Okay, so this is trying to uh, eliminate this uh, this new phenomena, if you will, of uh, you know transgender males to female, a person who transitions or is in process of uh, from male to female competing against females, biological at birth females, um, and uh, and 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 beating them and winning, right? Taking scholarship money, right? Having an unfair competitive advantage due to their physiolo- uh, physiological physiological. Uh, structures. And in North Carolina, uh, we have some experience (laughs) with this transgender uh, debate uh, in the legislature, right? House Bill 2, as I mentioned earlier, uh, with our guests. And uh, I was not even aware of this, but apparently uh, the uh, Equality NC folks, uh, they are very aware of it. And the Action Network folks were very aware of this, that uh, the uh, press re- or the press conference that was held in Raleigh where they announced this bill yesterday. Uh, it was the anniversary, the five-year anniversary of HB2 of that bathroom bill, which you'll recall uh, that was what Roy Cooper rode to the governor's mansion, rode to electoral victory. Uh, he used the HB2 uh, legislation and the uproar uh, that he helped to foment, by the way, like he went out and, you know, talked to business leaders, the guy, what was his name, Mark Benioff or something from uh, uh, Salesforce, the CEO of Salesforce, who's a, a huge, you know, left wing activist. And uh, he got he had a conversation and this was documented in the Wall Street Journal at the time uh, that he had a conversation. And then the guy from Salesforce went out and solicited help from uh, a couple of his pals, uh, the CEOs, and they whipped up uh, this boycott, essentially, of North Carolina. And then, you know, all the dominoes start falling. You had the NBA move the all-star game out of Charlotte. Uh, you had the NCAA not not having the tournament uh the ace yeah the ncaa tournaments i think the acc tournaments like they were all like we're never going to play again and you know people like me at the time were pointing out the uh the double standard which again we were all laboring under this illusion that there should be an application of a consistent standard but there isn't and uh uh and so, you know, making this allegation doesn't really carry any heft anymore. There's no weight to it because nobody cares about hypocrisy anymore if it's their team doing it. And so when the ACC and the NCAA, you know, when they are like, you can't, you know, tell people that they can't, you know, shower with people 
uh, or use the bathrooms with people that they don't feel comfortable with. Like, you know, girls can be boys and boys can be girls and all of that. Right? They're making these arguments. And meanwhile, we were pointing out, well, wait a minute, you're the NCAA. Like, so can I go compete on the female team? If I identify as a female, can I go do that? They never really gave a, a clear answer on, you know, why the ACC men's tournament is occurring <laughs> in another state, not North Carolina, because of our bathroom bill. Uh, one of the many examples that were kind of ridiculous uh, at the time. So this uh, bill, this House Bill 358, would actually give... Um, women the ability to sue. So this is, I think, an important component. This is what Charlie Ray was talking about. So uh, again, this is Andrew Dunn's piece at the Carolina Journal, carolinajournal.com. The North Carolina High School Athletic Association currently permits boys who identify as female to compete on girls' sports teams if they fill out a gender identity request form, (laughs) which it's kind of an odd name, gender identity request form. I guess it's a request to play on the, I guess that's the request being made is to play on a different team. Anyway, it's unclear how many of these student athletes are currently playing under North Carolina's proposed bill. Girls who miss out on state championships or scholarships due to a boy competing alongside of them would be able to bring a lawsuit. So that's, that's the, the stick part uh, versus the carrot, right? This is the stick. You're going to be able to sue. In North Carolina, the bill is backed by the North Carolina Values Coalition. The group cited data from the Women's Sports Foundation that showed a 990% increase in women's participation in athletics since Title IX was passed 50 years ago. 50 years ago. Uh, the ncvalues.org website uh, outlines, they say, the science is clear. Uh, biological males are generally bigger, faster, and stronger. Biological males have natural advantages too. Greater lean muscle, larger individual muscle fibers, larger hearts, which I always told Christy, you know, I have a really big heart, and it's not just an enlarged heart. It's, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't have an enlarged heart that I know of. I don't have that. I'm just, <laughs> it was a joke, people. Um, no, actually, the the heart, it got very big after I returned all of those, uh, the toys and decorations to those who's. That's when I got the bigger. Okay. Anyway, uh, increased blood flow, higher ability to take in and use oxygen, uh, lower body fat, less joint stress, and more. These lead to unfair advantages as it relates to strength, speed, power, and performance. And no amount of hormone therapy is going to be able to undo all of those advantages. And this is, you know, what we were talking about earlier. It's like it almost seems like this leads to uh, younger and younger hormone replacement treatments, right? Because in order to, if you're going to try to eliminate any of the inborn innate uh, physiological advantages that men tend to have uh, versus women. Uh, if you're going to try to uh, to you know keep people out of female sports based on that physiological advantage, then there is almost an incentive to make an earlier decision to short circuit that development, right? To try to stop that stuff from happening. And so it seems like this is, walk these types of policies sort of walk you down the path towards not the H, uh, HB 358, but um, but policies that allow for, you know, transgender men to play on or sorry, transgender women to be on women's teams um, that it that 
when you set policies like you know standards that say you got to have you know you know been on treatment or you know no testosterone for two years like that sort of policy seems to lead us down this path towards younger and younger diagnoses and treatments uh, that short circuit puberty so as to avoid those physiological uh, benefits advantages right. I don't know. Like, I I just see that as part of this issue. According to a recent 2020 poll, the NC Values Coalition says that 75% of North Carolinians agree uh, that allowing biological males to compete in women's sports is unfair. Uh, It hurts girls on and off the athletic fields when biological males participate in women's sports. Okay, so that's the Values Coalition. Here is... Uh, Equality NC, they went to the Twitter machine and they say, Today, on the five-year anniversary of HB2, the NCGA, the General Assembly, filed legislation directly targeting transgender youth. See, again, like this is this is all about who sets the narrative. Is it targeting the youth, the transgender youth, or is it seeking to protect the opportunities for girls, right, for young girls? It's all in how you frame the argument. House Bill 358 seeks to ban trans youth from participating in sports teams and athletics. That's not true. It doesn't seek to ban them from playing sports. It seeks to ban them from playing a sport that is not uh, of the same gender that they were born with. Right. It's saying if you were born with these chromosomes, XX or XY, right, like those are the ones that you those are the teams that you should play on. Um, Now, this does raise this question, though. There's like this wrestler uh, out of Texas, I want to say. And this was during the HB2 fight. So five years ago, um, who was on, you know, was taking was doing the transitioning going from. uh, I, I, I forget. It doesn't matter, but it was doing the transitioning and was wanted to go wrestle with i guess i i think it was a girl becoming a boy and um they they wanted to wrestle with the boys and they were not allowed to and so it created this this problem where like they're you know wrestling girls and beating them all and then people are like well they're on testosterone you can't do that now laws and like have changed the high school athletic association you know the colleges the olympics like everyone is now all these organizations are now trying to figure out a way if we can just you know set the levels of the the hormones at the appropriate spot then this will go away right then this argument goes away but it doesn't sound like that actually works um that it sounds like, and this gets to uh, this piece that I mentioned earlier by this Dr. Greg Bloch. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. <laughs> it's B-L-O-C-H-E. Bloch? Bloke? Bloke? This Dr. Bloke, where he's making the argument that uh, this is this is all about what we accept as a culture, what is fair and what is not. And, and one of the examples he gives is uh, if I'm a base runner in baseball and I'm on second base and I can see the signs that the catcher is flashing to the pitcher, right? So I'm standing on the base. I'm, I'm a base runner. I just got a double and I can see the signs and I can steal those signs. And then I can, I can relay them to my batter who's at the plate. Is that cheating? And is that different than like the cheating scandal that like the Houston Astros got busted in where they were they actually had a whole system, an elaborate system that was designed to steal the 
to steal the calls and then relay them with like the banging of trash cans in the dugout and whatever. So like at what point does it become an unfair advantage? And he gives the example of the seven foot basketball player who has an advantage over everybody else who is not seven feet tall. Right. If you're going to play center in basketball and you're seven feet, you automatically have an advantage over um, someone who's not seven feet, someone who's shorter than you are, because you get to now guard and defend the goal and you get to, uh, you know, go right over everybody's head. It's just it's an innate advantage. Is that unfair? Do we start regulating by height? I mean, we would say that's crazy. Now, I would point out that we do this. We try our best as a society to create fairness at the middle, high school, and um, at the middle school, high school, and collegiate level, right? What do we do? Uh, we we segregate based on age, right? We do this in, in all youth sports. It's all about the age. And why is that? Because we don't want kids who are developmentally farther along playing with kids who are not right and the idea is if you know you two kids are both 10 years old you're probably going to be you know about the same in your development now one kid might be a little bit ahead of the other and that's not fair but at some level we say well that's as fair as we can make it right that's as fair as we can make it. And by the way, this same sort of thing happens in video gaming as well, where they bring in, you know, you're playing a game online with all these different players and, um, you know, you end up in a in a game, in a match with people who are like really, really, really good and you're not and you're going to get just demolished every time. Right. So they've actually in certain video games, they've tried to create these lobbies that match people based on their uh, skill level. And, you know, so they take the, an analysis of the player's profile and they're like, OK, you're really good at this game. So we're going to put you into these lobbies with really good players. So there's always this this it's and it's more sci, uh, more art than science. Right. I think everybody would agree with that, just like everybody would agree that if you're going to look for uh real U.S. military surplus, then you go to old Grouch's military surplus in downtown Clyde. I mean, that's where I go, right? Um, he's He is open. He's open Monday through Saturday, right? Um, and I remember the, like, I went in there before the pandemic. I still re- remember, like, I went in there and he had uh, on the door, he had a pump of uh, uh, hand sanitizer <laughs> that he had put up on the door before you walk in. That's the and then everything, of course, got shut down. But he's open. He's been open for a couple months now, Monday through Saturday. And, of course, 24-7 at his website, oldgrouch.com. Real U.S. military surplus. Uh, if you are the outdoorsy type, you've got to have the gear, the clothing, uh, a uh, a first aid kit. It's always good to have a first aid kit in your car, in your backpack, wherever you're going. You should have the supplies in case, God forbid, something happens. So he can set you up with one of those. He's got backpacks. He's got ammo cans. Great for storage. He gets new stuff in all the time so be sure and check back regularly at oldgrouch.com uh, or go to the store in downtown Clyde on Main Street Old Grouch's military surplus it's uh, across the street from the anti-aircraft gun and ask him about that he'd be happy to tell you the story all right let me finish the uh, the tweet here the statement that came from Equality NC uh, they went on to say 
Uh, they're asking people to, you know, sign a petition. They're trying to, you know, get people motivated into the movement to try to block this bill. Uh, they say, you know, will you take action? Will you make uh, help, you know, make your voice heard? Trans youth belong on sports teams that align with their gender identity and all youth should be protected. The solution is in building inclusive sporting environments that don't attack children for simply being who they are. See, now, the other side would say that... Uh, putting kids into uh, you know onto a team, particularly like their and their point is strictly limited to girls' sports, women's sports. Uh, so a trans woman being put into a female league or competition, uh, they would argue is that's kind of attacking their opportunities, right? That's kind of attacking them. I, I guess at some point maybe we just create co-ed leagues where. You, where you've got, you know, everybody competing against each other. And I guess that's where that goes. But then, all right. So so here's a question. Let's say you're a coach and you're trying to field a team. And let's say it's a basketball team. OK. And let's say that you've got, uh, you, you know, you need to pick five players and 10 people show up. And of the 10, half of them are trans girls. And so they are taller they're stronger, right? And there are five of them, and there are five cisgender. So, you know, born female, still a female, all of that. Okay, so there are five of them. If you're the coach, and let's say all you care about, because let's say you're going to get a big bonus, you get job security, you want to win, you want pennants hanging from the, the rafters, right? You want You want trophies, you want your name on the side of the gym when you retire. Like, those are the things that you are motivated by, right? Um, and you get these... You get 10 people that show up. You only got five slots. Who do you pick? Who gives you the best chance to win? And this is this is the issue. Because if you have the, the shutting out of the biological women in favor of the transgender women, right, then you're robbing those women of opportunities, opportunities that they literally had to get an act of Congress <laughs> to to have, right? Title IX. So this is their counter argument to that. So here is uh, also, this is the uh, Action Network, uh, actionnetwork.org. They say, uh, this bill seeks to ban trans youth from participating in sports teams and athletics within public and charter schools, as well as non-public schools if they are part of a state-level association, including NCHSAA, the North Carolina High School Athletic Association. Anyway, uh, they say House Bill 358 is rooted in invasive and inappropriate questions about the sex assigned to young people at birth and outdated generalizations about male and female bodies outdated generalizations so there there does come a point here where um and, and as i said earlier like i i try to have as much empathy and sympathy for people who are experiencing dysphoria because i have no idea how difficult that must be and it makes me sad it does it, it's it's that would be terrifying right uh but on the other hand uh i can have empathy for folks like that but uh, that does not require me to uh, espouse something that I do not believe to be reality. And there's no amount of, you know, you shaming me into saying two plus two is five. That's going to make me say two plus two is five. 
because I believe in the reality of such. That's not to say there aren't people with certain syndromes that are very, very, very small percentage of the population. That's not to say that people don't exist like that. And we can make exemptions for them. But I'm not going to sign on to a denial of reality. Okay. I'm just, I'm not going to do that. And I know that this is a step that's like, again, I, when, uh, when I was, uh, went to college and the professor said, all right, I'm going to call out your name. And, uh, you know, you stick in the role and say whether you're here and if you have a preferred name that you go by. And so he calls out my name and he calls out Peter and I say, Pete. And that's when I became Pete because I was Peter my entire life before that. And so now if I'm having a conversation with you and you keep calling me Peter, even though I've told you my name is Pete, and you keep calling me Peter, and then if I correct you and I say, oh, it's, you know, it's Pete, or I work it in somehow, uh, and you keep refusing to call me uh, Pete, then at some point, I'm going to take that as an intentional uh, slight, right? Like you're trying to be offensive for some reason, right? Which is why if somebody says that they prefer to be called, you know, whatever name they prefer, I will generally do that. But now if you're going to force me to now make law around this, uh, this acquiescence, basically, like now I'm going to now I'm going to resist because you're forcing others to adopt your perception of reality that when doing so actually harms others. I'm not going to do that. And I don't think it's fair to demand others do that. Now, speaking of not being fair, deals like I'm about to tell you, this just isn't fair. Okay, General Equipment Rental, uh, with their big unfair deal, <laughs> $3,500 off of a Husqvarna stand-on mower. That is an amazing deal. How did they do that, Pete? Glad you asked. They combined two special offers from Husqvarna. At General Equipment Rental first, you take 25% off the MSRP for purchasing a nine-point fleet item. And then you get a $1,000 instant rebate when you purchase a V548 or V554 stand-on mower. And then, bam, add them together, $3,500 off. This is a deal. Go check out the website, generalrents.com. It's got all the details there. Or go on into their store. They are located uh, in Weaverville. Very convenient. Lots of surface parking, so bring the trucks. Um, And they're at the intersection of Reams Creek Road and Merriman Avenue. General equipment rental for all of your equipment needs, whether you need to buy some stuff for, you know, your personal use at the house or uh, you are a contractor, you need some stuff for work. Same place, general equipment rental. Think outside your toolbox. And that is a wrap for the episode. Thanks so much for listening. I do appreciate it. And remember, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, We'll catch you later. Don't break anything while I'm gone.